Chevelle got fucked over, I guess. Um, Thirty million dollars. Tell me, tell me more. No, he said that he's made. Okay, so they said they've sold as of twenty twenty two. Chevelle has sold over six million albums. Yeah, he's saying that they have not made Diddly Dick for like money off of their music, and he said that he the record company has made over fifty million dollars from them. I'd kill somebody. <laughs> I, I, I fucking yeah. murdered somebody. Fuck that shit. So a bunch of people were saying that these guys are big enough now to just do everything themselves, and that's what they should do. Because I believe they said their contract just expired. So when Rob was talking about this earlier, he was saying, you know, they lock you in the contract for twenty years, which is pretty much the entirety of your career, uh, and then pretty much fuck you over because you're young and they're going to take advantage of you and be like, oh, here's all the, you know, you're going to be fucking bitches, you're going to be playing shows, you're going to have an album out, and then you don't get anything from that. Like you do get to go fuck bitches and play shows and stuff but you don't get any real money from like the record sales um so he said he sold 50 mil and they're about to i believe their contract just expired which makes sense because this uh we're talking about a 20-year span from from now till uh from uh wonder what's next which was 2002 so it's just about 20 years um so if that would happen to be the contract that they were in now they've sold six million copies over 50 million dollars generated and they're not getting shit. And he pretty much was saying, he's talked to the people there. And he's like, you know, can you send some of that money our way? And of course, they're going to be like, no. And I don't know any of the details of the contract they have. I don't know if they get to keep their music when they're done or if the record company just owns their entire catalog and is just going to keep milking it forever. Um, but they are big enough now to be able to make stuff themselves. They can make their own label. They can be recording their own music. They can be producing it, releasing it, doing everything themselves and keeping that money. So I don't know what they're going to do in the future, but as of right now, uh, they haven't made dick off the off, off their uh, record. So. God damn, that fucking stinks. That really yeah. fucking stinks. That's sad, bro. To make nothing, I mean, that that hurts. Rob, There's oh. a difference when, when Rob was talking about uh, Billy Corrigan said uh, Napster cost him 30 mil. But like, he's already a multimillionaire, so I don't really give two shits. But these guys don't have anything, and they've been doing it for 20 years, so. Rob, what would you do if you were, if that that shit happened to you? Uh, I would fucking be tempted to kill myself. It's just, <laughs> goddamn. Uh, yeah, I it's hard. I don't. Yeah, I mean, once you've already signed the contract and you just have like twenty years left to like pay off, uh, you know, just you, you don't get. No matter how hard you work, you don't get any more money, and you don't like. There's no fucking hope. I don't know what you do. Yeah. But if you, if you just got released, then it's just like, well, the pain's over and I can do whatever I want now. So, like, it's, I think they're in a good place now. It's like the nightmare's over. The thing about this band is even though they've been locked in this contract getting nothing, they have still put out tons of work. And these guys have a really loyal fan base. So, yeah, they're in the perfect position to be able to do whatever they want as of now. They said uh, they've had talks with Epic and was like, if you guys are willing to send us, give us money... Uh, we will sign with you again, but if you're not going to, then obviously we're not going to. We're not going to be fucked over for another 20 years. Yeah, fuck that shit. So, man. but yeah, you know what? I totally skipped. I gotta. They've been here. Uh, the great listeners been listening to us talk. Um, I just want to do our fucking great introductions. His last bowel movement was a breech birth. It's Mister <laughs> Rob Fortune. 
How are you? When he's isolated late at night and he gets a spontaneous erection, he calls it his one lonely visitor. It's Jomo. <laughs> I, I look forward to that visitor. <laughs> yeah. I look forward. I'll be like, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? Thank you. For, thank you, Rob. I appreciate that introduction. Uh, it, it lets it lets me know that I'm still lonely and dead inside. Thank you very much. Um, he screams, send the pain below because he's tired of getting face fucked. It's Mr. <laughs> Jack Falcon. There it is. Whoa. That was crisp. Very good. Very good. Very good. What did that sound like, Jomo? I'm going to say a Natty Ice. No, it's a Corona. Oh, ugh. Ugh. I went to a, I went to a party last night. Uh. I got home at two, so this is what was there. Did you just do you steal beers from from the bar <laughs> no, to take them home? No, I did. One time I talked about it. One time when I went to a party over there, I did take one because I didn't have anything for the show. It was like Saturday night into Sunday, so I did grab one that they had there. But no, these I actually bought. I paid for these. Okay, so so you you t- brought them to the party, and then whatever the remainder was, you took home. Yeah, no, well, no, I brought the, well, this was left in the car, but I thought this was actually going to be hot as balls because it's hot outside right now and this has been in the car with the windows up, but it's actually pretty decent. All right. Well, you know, you know, it's interesting that happened this week other than us listening to Chevelle, which was, you know, a nice little walk back in time. Yeah. Um, some douchebag was coronated the king of fucking England. Oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, it's so weird to like wear all that stuff, like that big ass crown. He's like holding like two batons. <laughs> I was like, I wouldn't hold any of that shit. <laughs> what what world are we living in where these, <laughs> these fucking this dude who was sausage link fingers is yeah. now the king of England and and all these uh, like Commonwealth countries? Like, I didn't even know Canada still like a dominion of the Commonwealth realms. Like, is this like the multiverse? What the fuck is going on, bro? Like, I, I seriously don't understand why we have any sort of monarchies <laughs> in this yeah. fucking in this world anymore i i don't it's understand dumb, and, and people pay i didn't know this shit people pay a dollar a year out of their salaries every that's every citizen just to the the, the royal family <laughs> it goes to the royal family for what i didn't know that for yeah. what so they could be a bootlicking supplicant and be like yeah we need mm-hmm. the crown oi mate crooky like uh, this shit's stupid it's so stupid. i didn't know that yeah yeah they're, they're... well th- the thing of it is it took the queen like so fucking long to die so now homeboy's like old as shit and he like looks like a clown up there like when i saw the <laughs> crown he was wearing <laughs> he's like holding like two like dick sticks so i'm like bro why are you wearing all that stuff <laughs> but it's like it's taking him so long to get there that he's going all in it's fucking it's pretty stupid some do so many people care about that stuff like the royal wedding my grandma like would watch that shit i was like why are you even watching this this has nothing to do with you this is like none of your business who gives a fuck <laughs> i don't know people do bro why they do they care i don't know they love it they eat that shit up i've got i fucking i hate monarchies <laughs> they're so fucking stupid but anyway yeah uh, to what we were originally talking about, let's uh let's get into Chevelle. All right, we're talking about Chevelle today. Uh, so all of this information is from Wikipedia, and a little background on Chevelle. Uh, they're an American rock band formed in Grays Lake, Illinois, in 1995. The band was originally composed of two brothers, frontman Pete uh, Leffler and drummer Sean Leffler, along with bassist Matt Scott. Scott was replaced by Sam and Pete's brother, Joe, in 1996. When Joe left the band in 2005, he was replaced by their brother-in-law, Dean uh, Bernardini. So this band is like a family. This is three brothers, 
And then when this other dude leaves at some point, which we're not even going to hear him, they bring in the brother-in-law. So this shit's tight-knit. And this shows you that none, none of these guys were bleeding them dry. It was just all the record company. Mm-hmm. Unless these guys were just fucking each other over. But um, yeah, this, so this is, it's cool. I, I forgot that these guys were brothers. And I think that's a really cool thing because they did well for themselves. And like I said, they have a huge following and they're still making music. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm proud of these guys. Good for them. We ready to talk about the first album? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Jomo, I can't wait to tell you what the name of their newest record is because it's fucking hilarious. Okay. Uh, you got to wait till the end of the episode, though. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, point, num- point number one is an 11-track record released in 1999, coming in just under 43 minutes long. It's the band's debut studio album and contains the singles Point Number One and Mia. After recording a demo, Chevelle played small concerts for three years until being signed to independent Christian label Squint Entertainment. They recorded for 17 days with, with producer Steve Albini, famous for his work with the likes of Nirvana, Cheap Trick, and PJ Harvey. According to Chevelle frontman Pete Leffler, uh, Albini gave the album an unrefined indie feel in which the recording process was essentially plug in, he hits record, and you play. Uh, he added, at the time, I was shocked talking to someone who had worked closely with Kurt Cobain. It was a trip. It was really cool. Point number one was recorded in D standard with an alternative metal approach however chevelle was left unsatisfied and feeling that albini didn't achieve the tones and overall sound that they were looking for they called albini much to his surprise expressed disappointment with the final product although they enjoyed working with him chevelle wanted to find a different producer to resolve the issue however their label gave them no choice but to work with him once again the second phase of recording was much more laid back and relaxed in which albini really opened up albini was uh, albini and aspiring comedian friend Fred Armisen starred in the Point Number One electronic press kit several years before Armisen became famous on Saturday Night Live. Point Number One landed on mar- a marginal spot on mainstream rock tracks and had an accompanying music video. The following year, Mia would be released as a follow-up. Point Number One is the only Chevelle album released by Squint Entertainment and their only collaboration with producer Steve Albini. It featured notable, excuse me, it featured a notable single in its title track, which remains a common part of the band's concert list, but achieved only minor success. Nevertheless, their major label debut, 2002's Wonder What's Next, has since been regarded by them as their first album. Chevelle toured with various alternative metal bands uh, to promote Point Number One. This would influence their shift to a heavier sound on future albums. Rob, what do you think of Point Number One? This album's okay. Um, so, like, I get a little bit of uh, Maynard vibes from uh, the vocals, which I like. I love, you know, I-, I think Tool is my number one fucking, like, when I think of new metal, like, Tool has to be my number one for serious bands. And then we'll say for, like, comedic bands, uh, uh, System of a Down's probably my number one new metal band. Uh, but yeah, so, like, but other than that, I, I feel like I kind of hate new metal, but like Chevelle, I actually think is good. Uh, I never li- really listened to Chevelle much other than the red, which I heard on the radio several times. But yeah, so I think this band's like pretty good, uh, but this this record's just okay. I don't think that their songwriting is quite there yet. I think the guitars are a little like uh, monotone. Um but I don't have any major complaints about this album. I put it on. I listened to a couple of six tracks or something. It was okay. Uh, you know, C minus. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm not necessarily in love with this record as I am with some of the other stuff that they've done. It's not my favorite. Uh, it's not nearly as tight or as polished as the other ones. And, yeah, there's Tool vibes all over this. So after I was done listening to this again today... I was just think singing like hooker with a penis. It just came out of nowhere. Bruh. And I think that that's, that's what <laughs> I think that, that that's a tool song. I think that that song is 
what these guys remind me of the most when they take parts from Tool, or at least try to sound like them or influence. Anima was released in 96. This came out in 99. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Hooker with a Penis was one of their favorite songs. Mm. Uh, so this is, this is a good jumping-off point for these guys. Uh, everything is competent here, and I will say the same thing about these guys as I said about Shinedown. A band like this is a record company's fucking wet dream. These guys, there's no way they cost that much money. I mean, for, besides, like, fucking these guys over. There's no way that these guys cost that much money. There's no way that these albums cost that much to record, and they're returning $50 million-plus. It's like, and there's a lot of single potential left on these records that we're going to talk about that they, they didn't... Um, you know, they could have gone further with their singles and made even more money. But like a band like this, like Shinedown, they can just pump out album after album with fucking tons of singles and just make the record companies tons of money. This is their wet dream, just like Shinedown. So, yeah, these guys have done like really well because like even if they've made no money, right? <clears throat> And one thing I had mentioned is like they have a really loyal fan base. There are songs on the end of some of these records that you've never heard of. You've never heard anyone ever talk about. And it has 5 million views on YouTube, the, just the song. And like people are talking about it. And it's like, wow. So these guys have done really well. They have that dedicated fan base. And there's some songs on this album that I fucking love. So SMA, which is the second to last song, and Pier, which is the last song, the fact that both of those two songs are not in their current set list is like a fucking crime. Both of those songs are awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, the song Pier has uh, a couple comments on it. One says, the greatest guitar riff in the history of music. And then someone else says, hidden <laughs> gems are the best songs. So there are like really good songs on here. Uh, the th one issue I have with it is I don't really like the guitar distortion. Um, it's like obviously supposed to be this more raw sound. Uh, I want it to be a bit crunchier and a bit cleaner as well. The bass sometimes comes through like really clear, like Mia has a really clear bass. And sometimes the drums come through like in the song Long. The bass drum is clear as fuck in that song. And the song before it, uh, Dose, has like a really uh, clear cymbals. So they don't like not all these songs ever have like everything being clear at the same time. But there's like different parts of it where different things pop out. Uh, and so, yeah, is this the best debut album of all time? No, but I think they did a good job, and this is pointing them in the in the direction that they'll go in the future. Jomo, what do you think of this record, dude? I I would say it brought back a lot of nostalgia, man. Um, I know Point Number One came out in '99. I wasn't really peaking on Chevelle during that time. I listened to this album's like years after I discovered Chevelle in uh, high school. So I discovered Chevelle what whenever Wonder What's Next came out, and the album. To me, this album sounds like that early like Creed mixed with like old grunge, with a slight bit of like Pearl Jam and Nirvana, and especially like the slow songs like Dose. It really shows like, hey, this this is this is definitely that post grunge, if not grunge influence to me. I, I you guys got Tool out of it, and I was like, okay, I can see where you're coming from with that, but I got more of a grunge feel just because of the way how sludgy the guitars are and uh, the way the riffs are composed. I would say this is my least favorite of the week by default, just because I, I think the songs are very predictable. Um, it's easy to just, you know, assume like, hey, this is going to go from like uh, this riff to the chorus, back to the riff, back to... It's it's production quality was just lacking, and there was a lack of variety in riffs. I, I You know, t to say that, you know, hey, that song had the greatest riff... Um, of ever on guitar of all time. I would say thank yeah. you because it's definitely better than November Rain. Um, <laughs> I, I, I fucking cannot stand. I don't even know how you're a Guns N' Roses fan, but let's just, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Um, to me, this, this album also gives me like, if you listen to early Incubus, like mm -hmm. the first two Incubus albums, 
I'm getting a lot of like it's like they're incorporating all their influences and then just mashing it up together. It's, it seems a bit unguided yeah. and somewhat all over the place, man. I, I, if they would stick to not, I'm not saying more of a concept album. I would say more of a, like a variety, but it's, it, it still has a signature Chevelle sound. Then I would get it. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just like, I, I'm, I don't appreciate the art that they're putting out. And this was definitely my least favorite album of the week. But it was nostalgic because it brought me back to remembering my child and someone saying, hey, you know that uh, Chevelle had another album before this. This is way before like iTunes and all that shit. I was like, really? He's, mm-hmm. And he, my buddy was like, yeah, point number one. You should listen to that shit. I thought it was okay. Um, but it's definitely not my favorite album of the week and thus my least favorite. I didn't know that you had heard this before. Yeah. <clears throat> Years ago, because I never heard this before. Yeah, I was in a car with your mother. We were listening to it. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, yeah. No, no, I do remember it there. There's a song in here called Anticipation, and there's two comments on this. One says, "I love Chevelle, but that solo is awful," and then someone else <laughs> says, "This song deserved a better solo." So when I listen to it, the solo, okay, it's lame as balls. Uh, it's not terrible. It doesn't like ruin the song, but it like if you listen to it, it's a very Chevelle thing to do. It fits their style, but yeah, it could have been better. It is. It is a little boring. Um, I honestly probably wouldn't even thought it was that lame if I didn't see other people like like shitting on it, but it could be better. Uh, there's a song before that, Skeptic, and there's a comment on that song that says, uh, is this Tool? So, uh, yeah, these guys, there's, there's points of this week where I was like, okay, yeah, these guys aren't even just like influenced by Tool. They like killed Tool and like they're wearing their skin and like they're trying to become them. Um, but yeah, you were saying there's a bunch of stuff like mashed up in here, and there is. It's like, I do think that this is not straight up a Tool ripoff. They're, you're, you're getting it throughout the record, but yeah, there's a bunch of stuff going on here. Also, you said it's misguided. I do kind of agree with that. The, the opening song in this album called Open is a two-minute long instrumental piece, and I'm like, why though? Why Why is that here? Why? I don't know. I, it's just confusing why the fuck it even exists like at all, and like why it's yeah. opening the record. Mm-hmm. But point number one is a great song. Not surprised they still play that. Proved to use a song after it, which I think that song is legit awesome. Should have been a single. Uh, I would like to see it live. The vocals are really good in that song. There are both of the next albums. I want to go to the anniversary tours where I would love to see the both records played in full. This one, I don't know if I need to see everything. Uh, if they were doing it, maybe I would go anyway. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good. It's a good, um, you know, place to jump off from and, uh, they're developing their sound where it comes later, but you are getting a bunch of other ideas here, a bunch of influences here, but you're also getting like that Chevelle style that is being created. Uh, anything else I want to say here? I think that might be it. Oh, a uh, song I hear blank earth. That's uh, one of the best songs in this album as well. The, ver- the vocals on that song, very Maynard. And then somebody uh, commented on that song, Blank Earth. They said, this is the best damn song Chevelle has ever bestowed upon the world. And then like 15 people proceeded to shit on him after that comment. Um, so yeah, it's good. I would listen to it again, but it's not my favorite. Let's read a couple of YouTube comments. First one said, and thus one of the most underrated bands of all time were born. Next one says, this album never gets old. Next one, nice and raw. Love it. Uh, next comment. This is incredibly hard hitting still to this day. It has only gotten better with age. And lastly, I remember... Re, uh, recording point number one on cassette from the radio. What a great track. I used to do that as well. Uh, is there anything anyone else wants to say about point number one? No. no. Okay. Jomo, did you used to record songs off the radio? Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. I did like for when mixtapes were a thing. Do you remember that shit? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah did, of course. I, I did that shit. So, right. Oh, I, like you'd give them to women? 
Um, yeah, because I was... Or other dudes? <laughs> uh, mostly to your dad, but, um... No, it's, um... I, I did... I would give them out, and then bitches wouldn't get it, and then I'd be like, all right, cool, this is why I don't like you anymore, so... But, yeah, no, it's... It was, <laughs> yeah. It was good shit, it was good shit. When they didn't like it, you were like, you're ugly anyway, I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just... I, I, you're a light switch away, my friend. One light switch away. <laughs> all right, uh, we ready to move on? Yeah, wow. <clears throat> fantastic all right wonder what's next is an 11 track record released in 2002 coming just over 46 minutes long it's the band's second studio album reaching number 14 on the u.s billboard 200 charts and contains the singles the red send the pain below and closure wonder what's next proved to be chevelle's breakthrough album landing them on high profile tour slots including the main stage of ozfest 2003 after experiencing label troubles chevelle's management set up a showcase in new york they received three offers ultimately choosing epic Recording was scheduled at the Warehouse Studio in Vancouver to begin the day following September 11th, 2001, also known as September September 12th, 2001. Uh, With a tragic event just having taken place in the U.S., uh, they were met with an unsettling start to the recording process in which they would spend nine weeks at the studio. Wonder What's Next would feature a heavier, more textured sound than 1999's point number one, uh, which, according to... Uh, Leffler was more indie and didn't effectively capture the band's intensity. While Chevelle's debut album was recorded in D standard tuning, they switched to drop B with some songs written in D flat standard tuning. Chevelle spent much more time adjusting uh, tones and preparing before recording, as opposed to the less refined studio process of working with Steve Albini. Ben Kaplan, the Pro Tools editor, also took a liberal approach to adding textures underneath much of the music. They were uneasy at first of this approach, but came to appreciate the influence it had in their overall sound. The track, The uh, One Lonely Visitor, breaks from this with bare bones with a bare bones approach. A demo was recorded in the home studio, but after recording excuse me, but after re-recording it in Vancouver, Leffler still favored the original, less produced version of it with a more natural feel and convince the label to use it. The same method would be used on Bend the Bracket on the next album. Between the expanded version and the Japanese edition, there are five bonus tracks, including three covers. It's No Good, Until You Reformed, High Visibility, which is a helmet cover, Black Boys on Mopeds, which Bruh. is a Sinead, o- <laughs> Sinead O'Connor cover, and It's No Good, a Depeche Mode cover. Wonder What's Next has been certified two times platinum and is the band's most successful album. Uh, Jomo, what do you think of Wonder What's Next? I would not have covered that song from Sinead O'Connor. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah. that shit w- is, is like a half step away from a BLM canceling this band forever. Like, I don't Yeah. When I saw that name, I was like, I was like, okay, I've got to be get, being trolled right now. And then when I saw it was a cover, I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, I still wouldn't have covered it, but yeah. <laughs> it's fucking, I would say, yo, this is, this is the album that made Chevelle, man. It's like, uh, no, no other album will be known in 2002. Like, I remember when this fucking, the red came out. They had that music video, man, and um, uh, send the pain below. Such great fucking songs, man. It's simple, easy to play, but just such such great music. Uh, lyrics are on point. Um, I was disappointed with a few things. Um, one being they open up with Family System. I don't think that's a song you would want to open up with. They could have opened up with any number of different fucking songs from this album except for Family System. I wouldn't have just it's it's it, to me a bad idea. Two, naming your band after a shitty GM vehicle. Um, they could go with like Shel- Bro, Shel- fired. Shelby or Mustang or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so- something something worth driving. I just, I would not name a vehicle after uh, Chevelle. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember I, I, I was closet obsessed with this band from 2002 to about 2004. Um, I, I'd put them on, you know, and listen to them as I fell asleep. 
Um, just great fucking band. And this album just, it, it opened up, man. You know, the Red talking about anger issues. I had anger issues all the time. There's people I just want to throw shit at and just fucking beat the crap out of. But I had to hold it back because if not, um, you know, I, I, I would probably be in prison right now. But to me, it's like, there, there, there's there's nothing, nothing better than Wonder What's Next. Uh, I think that's one of their greatest songs in this album. It's not a fucking, um, it's not a single. But to me, it's just like, it just has this different, like, very different feeling uh, from Chevelle. And I, I like, there, there's different incorporation with elements of from electronics and um, the, the sound that they're using to produce this. And I think that An Evening with El Diablo is definitely a close second for me for this week. That I think that's such a good fucking song. All of them are super simple. There's beauty and simplicity, but there's an enduring song. I mean, an enduring part of this song that's just like, wow, man. Like, this this is a song that can last forever, man. And this is something that Lars Ulrich wouldn't be able to fuck up every third measure, man. You know, it's just like, oh, okay, what what two, what 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 are we in? Four four again? Okay, we're we going back to three four. Okay, we're going back to four. Okay, yeah. And I did make a note of it. Um, how are you gonna make how are you gonna make a song or cover a song Black Boys on Mopeds? That's just I wouldn't <laughs> I I just I mean, you're this close, this close, Chevelle, to be cancelled by Jack Dorsey. All right, you're this fucking close. <laughs> Count your blessings. We're, we're trying to cancel you right now. Thank you. Mm. Two of the biggest hits on this album are in 3-4. Yeah. Uh, Closure and The Red. So these guys are able to get outside of 4-4, which is nice. So yeah, Lars would definitely fuck that song up. Um, so okay, two songs you talked about. Wonder What's Next. That song is heavy as shit, right? And it's pretty impressive to see the scope of the dynamics of this band. Uh, when you have like one lonely visitor on this album and then you have wonder what's next now these guys tune to drop b that is lower than hollow teeth and you would not i would not believe that this was drop b <laughs> listening to this there's something that goes on with the recording here that it does not come through as it being as heavy as they're playing when i when we played the last show i was like in drop C, I'm like, I'm just thinking like this music is so fucking heavy. It's, I, it's, I always forget how heavy the band is. But when I listen to this, these guys are even lower. And it's like, yeah, there's some heavy things like Wonder What's Next. But in general, I don't think that heaviness comes through. That's one of the reasons I want to see these albums live because everyone says that they're great live. And I, I bet you that that drop B is more coming through in a, in a live setting than it is on some of here. It's weird how some of the, they are that low, but it does, it just doesn't come across to me uh the other song you talked about and evening with el diablo that's another one that like fans are always talking about my absolute favorite chevelle song uh what a rhythm by the bass and drums next one says how wasn't this a radio hit is beyond me next one says best song on the album my opinion i just loop it over and over and over so yeah that song does have a lot of uh people talking about it, listening to it uh i think his voice is great in that song oh and one cool thing that that song does after like the singing is done it keeps going for like another minute or a minute and a half and just vibes with the whole band that's one reason why i was like why didn't this end the record uh instead they go to an acoustic song after that which is a really nice song one uh, one lonely visitor which i think is a beautiful song um and it's an okay way to end the record but i was like why didn't you just put this somewhere else in the track list and then end it with a, an evening with el diablo the other issue i have with this track list if you you have three of the band's biggest hits bangers in a row send the pain below closure and the red are all right after each other like yo you gotta spread that shit out those are like some of the biggest hits of the 2000s you got them right next to each other uh so i think that they could have done a little uh better job with that i would like to see this album play be played live all the way through 
And uh, the artwork for this record is really good as well. It's one thing I've always remembered of the band. Like, I don't know if that's a good picture, but it's something I've always remembered. It's like a glass of milk falling and it's breaking and there's a picture of it at a specific point of the fucking break. And I have always remembered it. Um, the Red, I'm awarding eternal banger status to of a song. Uh, fucking great. My favorite part of that song is the background vocals and the chorus. It's awesome. Never gets old. And I know people are going to think I'm insane when I say this, right? But Closure is, my, is not only my favorite song by Chevelle, is one of my all-time favorite songs like ever fucking written. What? The singing over the verse is is I don't know. I'm in love with it. I was singing it all week. Uh, that song is also like I mentioned is in a three four time signature, and they end that song with a brand new riff that any other band would have taken that riff and made a new song with it. Instead, they end it. They just the riff comes out of nowhere and that ends it. And then uh, send the pain below. We've all heard it a billion times. Still love it. Uh, there are good videos for all three of these as well. The Red has a really famous one when he's in the, um, like the uh, anonymous meeting, and they he like I don't know he's he's like speaking, and then the band breaks out. It's classic. Everyone's seen it a bunch of times again. Uh, so yeah, these are some of the, in my opinion, some of the biggest hits of the two thousands. The Red has to be one of them. The video for the Red has like over forty million views. Rob, what do you think of this record? This album's legit. I listened to it beginning to end of a lot this week. I I think this album's quite good and i and i almost never listen to albums beginning to end so that's that says a lot uh the red was a song that uh i was always happy when that song came on the radio i feel like the verse guitar riff is so so but like yeah the chorus is really fucking good uh and it's not even my favorite song on the album uh my favorite song on the album is comfortable liar so the dynamics are really good you know so if i'm gonna if i'm gonna say that the first album was monotone like like this album has a uh, variety like uh the singer harmonizes with himself more i would say you know the 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 dynamic lows are lower and the like the 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 the, the like intense parts are more intense and like the, there's variety in snares so you got like you got like wood snares and then like uh there's more fucking ambience to like you know certain parts in comfortable liar and elsewhere you got like a like a uh the, the the snare is farther away so they move the microphones back um so like yeah they 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 were they were not sparing detail on this album they really went and then there's these moments of like uh tasteful pick slides so it's like they're adding like noise as part of the uh uh yeah so they're they're adding a lot more like detail to this they're they're they're, they're their songwriting is here on this album they're 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 fucking paying attention and it's fucking coming through uh second favorite song on this album is probably until you're reformed that was just like a a lot of times i was driving around door dashing and then like you know uh that's that those riffs are in my head and i'm just like yeah uh fucking catchy fucking uplifting metal uh fucking yeah this album is quite good. Uh, I'm impressed. I I, uh, I had never heard it until this week, and uh, yeah, listen to it all week long. Fucking ten out of ten. I don't know. That's it. Yeah, it, it is good. Um, the the song "Family System," which starts us off. There's a comment on that video that says, "I want to play this, but I can't tune low enough." So yeah, these these dudes tune low. Um, couple other songs in here. There's one, uh, "Don't Fake This." I'm really surprised that that wasn't a single. Uh, that also like. Okay, for a song to be towards the end of this album, between Don't Fake It and Forfeit, okay, Don't Fake It has over 2 million views just on the song uh, on YouTube, on the YouTube video. Um, so, again, they have like a loyal-ass fan base. So when I see Don't Fake This has 2, two million views, I was like, okay, wow. It, it's crazy to see a song like this far down in the track list that wasn't a hit to have so much attention and people still like loving it. Then Forfeit comes on, and that song has over 4 million views. So I'm like, God damn. Like, yeah, people are all about this album. And it doesn't go soft until the very end. 
Um, oh, and when I hear a song like Forfeit, I'm like, yo, this someone had to have died at, when this is played. At least one person on earth has to have been killed to this song in a pit because it's just heavy as shit. So they are getting through. I've said before, like that drop B doesn't always come through for me, but like songs like Forfeit, songs like Wonder What's Next, they are heavy. They 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 do shine through. Uh, Comfortable Liar is good as well. It, when I think about that song, that's more of like this typical Chevelle sound. They have a sound, and I was trying to think exactly like what that style is called. I don't know if it's new metal. I don't know what you call their style, but like when I hear specific things being done, it sounds. I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds like Chevelle. That's like a Chevelleism, something that they would have done. Uh, Rob brought up pick scrapes. There are harmonics. There are a bunch of things being done. I can't remember which song it is on here. I think it's on this record. There's a part where it's just the bass with no guitar. Oh no, sorry, it's on the next album. And then there's just guitar with no bass, and then they both come in together. And like those ideas of of playing with dynamics is really cool. So with these guys, I don't know. There's just always been a thing when I thought of Chevelle that I was like, they're never going to. Be, I'm never going to think of them in the same way as like Tool or something like that as musicians, which is a rude thing to say, but. Um, I don't know. It's like they are way more competent than I ever thought that they were. And again, they're brothers. And I don't know. This this record is awesome. It's fucking great. It has some of the biggest hits of the '90s, or excuse me, the 2000s. And like I said, closure is just is my shit. Like that song is like my kink as far as music goes. I fucking love it. Oh yeah. Uh, read a couple YouTube comments. First one. I remember jamming to this as a teenager. Now my 17 year old plays Chevelle all the time. Proud parenting moment. Uh, next one says it's 2023 and I'm still jamming to Chevelle. Next one says I heard the song, I, I hear the song every day on my local radio station. Still gives me goosebumps. Uh, he's talking about the red. Next one says best vocals I've heard in my 41 years on this earth. And lastly, still a banger, always will be. Yeah, this record is fucking good. These songs will never die. So yeah, three bangers right in a row. Is there anything else anyone wants to say about uh, Wonder What's Next? No, it's no. Be best album. Yeah. All right. Does anyone need to use the bathroom? Not really. We all set? Yeah. yeah. Okay. This type of thinking could do us in is an 11 track record released in 2004, coming in just under 47 minutes long. It's the band's third studio album, reaching number eight on the US Billboard 200 charts, and contains the singles Vitamin R, uh, Leading Us Along, The Clincher, and uh, Panic Prone. Coming off their highly successful major label debut, Chevelle finished touring in December 2003. They set out to write a follow-up album from scratch at the onset of the following year, which would continue the balance of melody and heaviness of its predecessor. This time around, the band opted to produce it themselves with the help of Michael Elvis Basquette. Uh, this type of thinking is the final album featuring bassist Joe Leffler, who left the band in 2005. Sam Leffler described it as a different approach to writing. He was all... He also noted that the band felt significant pressure from Epic to not simply match, but to topple the platinum success of 2002's Wonder What's Next. In a 2004 interview, Leffler described the process of approaching this type of thinking. We went home for Christmas, and after New Year's, we went into the studio and said, all right, we have to write a whole record in basically four months. We had no songs, so we had to write that whole record, and we ended up taking five months. We wanted to go heavy. We wanted to do a lot of double bass drum, uh, kind of syncopated rhythms, and we wanted to basically write songs that uh we could bob our heads to this was sort of where we started we're a heavy rock melodic we're a heavy melodic rock band and that's what we like to write that's what we like to play and that's what we did selling nearly ninety thousand copies in its first week this type of thinking charted higher than its predecessor but did not exceed its debut position or match its commercial success much like the final track on wonder what's next bend the bracket 
uh, would be recorded simply as an acoustic demo for its unpolished presentation. A dual disc version was released that included behind the scenes, interviews, the making of the, uh, the Vitamin R music video, and an enhanced stereo version of the entire album. This type of thinking could do us in has been certified platinum. So, um, I, again, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm still surprised that these guys record so low because it's still not 100% coming through for me. Um, I love the title of this album. It's another thing that I've, I've never forgot about. Um, and I remember back when I was in the military, uh, my ex was huge into Chevelle. I, we probably saw them live a couple times because I know that she was really into this album. I'm getting a lot less tool here than I was previously, uh, but it's still here in some places. And this is objectively maybe their best album. Uh, it's still not my favorite, but there are parts that I fucking love and I do want to see this album live. So the, the, the big hits, the clincher, uh, like I don't, nothing really needs to be said about that song. It's a banger. It's a great single great way to start the album off that's the song i was talking about where they, it does bass by itself and guitar by itself and then they both come in fucking really cool these guys are growing they're trying different things uh vitamin r another one i'm awarding banger status to still and that's a song that still reminds me of tool and then the song on here panic prone parts of that song remind me of silver chair silver chair is one of my favorite bands in the 90s um and i i probably shouldn't love the song as much as i do but it is a no-brainer single so i'm not surprised that they released it as one and um, that's a song that that song had to have made somebody a lot of money. Obviously not these guys, but someone bought a vacation house on the water from like that song alone. Rob, what do you think of this record? Uh, so um, I this I'll call this my second favorite for the week. I put it I put it on a few times. I listened to it beginning to end. There was nothing that bothered me. There was also nothing that leapt out of me. Like to me, there I, I didn't I don't care about these songs really. Uh, so I'm gonna place it like exactly between the first and the second album, where I don't think it's as monotone as the first one, but I don't think it's as interesting. Uh, it didn't didn't compel me as much as uh, the last one did. So I don't have a lot to say about it. It's just uh, it's a C album for me. That's it. Okay. Um, there's a song in here, "Get Some," which uh, it's one of my favorites on this album. Probably should have been an easy single. There's tremolo picking in there. Uh, which immediately gets my attention. There's a comment on that one, on this song. Get someone that says, best band live, never heard an artist live, sounded like they were in the studio. Crazy natural vocals. Yeah. Again, I don't know. I've, I've been to a lot of shows back in the day. I probably have seen Chevelle. I don't remember it. There's very few bands I remember seeing. One of them is like System of a Down, but that's because I was like so anticipating to go there. Um, so I do want to see these guys live. Uh, a song in here called Still Running, which could be the best song on the entire album. And it has, so all these like Chevelle-isms that I was talking before, this song kind of like pulls them all together. Uh, it's heavy, the chorus is catchy as shit, and uh, oh, one of the riffs in that song always reminds me of Deftones. So no matter what these guys are doing, no matter how much they're expanding, I'm still constantly kind of getting drops of, of other bands and influences somewhere. Whether it even sounds like Deftones to anyone else, I don't know, but I've listened to that song 50 times this, this week, and I constantly think of them during that song. Uh, Breach Birth is a song that Jumbo mentioned in the beginning. <laughs> I, I like the song of like going heavy and soft in the same song the way they do it like if you think about how they do it in the clincher that's what i'm talking about when i hear uh breach birth the way that they do it it's not a very like typical way a lot of people would kind of write a song but they do it and it's different and it works and it's, again it's like one of those chevelle isms it's a cool idea and they do it well so i don't know it's whenever i hear it it's like okay yeah i'm into that Jomo, what do you think of this album dude it's they finally opened up an album that was actually has a great fucking song. The clincher is the absolute like. If you forget one or what what's next existed, I would go with fucking this type of thinking that can do us in, and I go 
boom. I know that album's going to start off with The Clincher. It's going to be one of the greatest fucking songs. I loved Vitamin R. I thought that was another great song. And I, I was just thinking all week, I was like, man, you know, these guys have had a long career, man. And yes, uh, people say they're underrated, but they fizzed out after this record, man. They really did. And it's, I feel like it's just what happens with artists, man. You know, you either, you either are dedicated or you just like, hey, oh, you t- take them, listen to them, and then toss them away. Or then you come back to them years later and you're like, oh, wow, yeah, I do remember this band. I love this band. They are so much better than Metallica. Like, I just don't understand just, why they're so During much this time better. period, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Of all time. Metallica just uh, is in a fucking uh, abortion on top of an abortion. <laughs> if an abortion got an abortion, that would be Metallica. And nice. there's my thought process about this whole week. Chevelle is just a better band. They started off slow at point number one. Great fucking, great album, not the best. Wonder what's next. Boom, jerk material right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this type of thinking could do us in. Boom, I want to give myself a double under over. If you know what that is, okay, this is a big yeah. fucking deal. But I get the same feelings as I did from listening to this album than I did than that I did with Wonder What's Next, man. It's fucking nothing but straight banger material, man. And the the simple thing is, I was looking up the fucking uh, the the chords, like uh, like the, the 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 sheet music and shit, and I'm just like, oh, this is fucking, this is not that hard to play. If you're not retarded like I am, I mean, I know how to read. I, I just can't put two and three together because I'm half retarded. But man, they, they they put out simple but enduring stuff, man. And it's somehow better than Metallica. So fuck Metallica. Thank you. Yeah, none of this stuff is crazy, uh, but it's a distinctive sound and they do it well. There's a song in here called Emotional Drought, which is, uh, again, I'm getting Tool vibes yet again. Um, oh, there's a 10 second scream that I love. There's also like a 10 or 12 second scream on the first album on a song long that I think is awesome as well. Uh, there's a comment on emotional drought that says there are 20 plus songs I love by Chevelle, but only eight, uh, tool songs that I like Chevelle owns tool. I'm like, yo, that's gotta be, that's gotta be the clown. That's gotta be the clown comment of the, of the fucking day there. Um, another song in here, another, uh, know it all. That song has to slay at shows. It's heavy, and I can just picture that song being played live. Um, so this album ends with Bend the Bracket, which is a demo version, just like they did before. And the thing of it is, like, the sound quality of Bend the Bracket, even this demo version, is fucking incredible. It's better sounding than any other song on this album. So it's like, who recorded that? And who recorded all the rest of this shit? Because like I was saying, like the whole drop B is not always coming through for me. So when I hear Bend the Bracket, I'm like, God damn, this song sounds fucking fantastic so like whoever recorded that get him and then re-record the entire rest of this album and make it like heavy as shit Hmm. uh good ending to the record i do like that song so when jomo picked three albums these i haven't checked in on chevelle i haven't listened to them in fucking god knows how long i thought that was their entire career uh these guys do have quite a few more um, but yeah, I, I, this is the last album I actually think I remember them making. And I remember being into it. I loved the name of it. Uh, I loved the, the singles off of it. it. Yeah, it was just good for me. Like I, I thought this record was really good. Uh, something here, Tug of War, definitely should have been a single. And it's nice to hear uh, like Pete opening up his singing like he does in this song we don't always get like the full like unleashed singer during the chorus but we get it there there's a song in here called to return and the comments on there one says chevelle still seems underrated to me i will agree when people say chevelle is an underrated band i i agree this guy says they deserve the publicity that disturbed and muse get 
And then some guy says to even mention disturbed in the same sentence as Chevelle is a crime against humanity. So I was thinking that this guy was about to slam dunk on Chevelle and say that disturbed is the shit. And he said, Chevelle is one of the greatest bands in modern rock history. Dis disturbed is decidedly less so. So yeah, again, these guys have a loyalist fuck fan base. And I can't like, I, I, I want to commend them so much for having that because I don't know if I've seen a fan base this much in love with a band as these guys have. And we've listened to like tons of bands. And I don't know if I've seen like turnout to comments and talking and listening to like songs that no one on earth fucking knows except for hardcore fans of the band. And again, the song has 4 million views, not even a music video. Not even like a viral video. It's a fucking, you're looking at the artwork of the album and listening to the song. That's it. Four million views of a song nobody fucking knows. So good for them. I do like this record. Um, I, I would be interesting to listen to the rest of their catalog. Um, and I would also be interested in seeing them live. All right, let's read a couple YouTube comments. First one says, Chevelle, the most underrated band ever. If someone said that when the Red was like really big, I'd say, yeah, I don't think they're underrated because they're huge. But at this point, I do think that they're underrated. Uh, next one, randomly remembered this masterpiece, still 1010 in 2022. Next one says, I got to see them live three times already, and they sound exactly like this. That's how you know they're a good band. Uh, next one, I always wish Chevelle did more heavy uh, droning rock, sing uh, rock songs like Vitamin R. And lastly, it's a shame how difficult it is to find music like this nowadays. Yeah, they have a sound, and people are into it. Is there anything anyone else wants to say about this type of thinking? Yes, great album. So, yeah, I'm a fan. It's huge. Uh, so if you're into Chevelle and you want to listen to some more of their stuff, <clears throat> in 2007, they had an album called Venicera. In 2009, they had Sci-Fi Crimes. 2011, they had Hats Off to the Bull. 2014, they had... La, La Gargola 2016 they had the North Corridor in 2021 one of my favorite fucking titles of all time nothing is real and this is a simulation yeah. uh, which is which is apparently a uh, uh, what do you call it when a record is about like a story like in concept album the, a concept album yeah uh, yeah so that's Chevelle that's what we listened to and yeah it was a good week I love listening to these guys for sure better than Metallica that goes without saying. <laughs> Who are we doing next week? I want to do Silverchair. Ugh. All right. So, so Silverchair only had five albums. I the, the the last one is like five years after the fourth one, so we don't have to listen to it. But Frog Stomp in 1995, which is a, still a banger of an album. They were like 14 or 15 years old when they wrote and recorded that album. Uh, 1997, they had Freak Show. 99, they had Neon Ballroom, which is like a personal favorite of mine. I love that album. Uh, and then 2002, they had Diorama. So those are the four. And yeah, we'll talk about it next Sunday. Cool, man. Hell yeah. All right, brothers. It's time to get out of here. Take care. All right.